0: Welcome to the Get A Job, Here's How podcast, the practical how-to guide for women returning to the workforce, recent grads, and those looking to get the job of their dreams. Now, here's the founder of the Back to Business Women's Conference and your host, Katie Dunn.
1: Welcome to the Get A Job, Here's How podcast. I'm Katie Dunn, founder and CEO of Back to Business and your host. I'm here to help you get a job, and I'm not just going to share advice on our topic in each episode. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it, because here's how are two of my favorite words. It's get a job. Here's how. Let's get started. We have a real treat today because we are going to be speaking with Nishant Shmadwani. She's going to tell us all about how he built his network, basically from scratch making lots of friends and acquaintances in the process and wound up getting really his dream job. Welcome to the podcast, Nishant.
0: Thanks so much you for know. having me, Kitty.
1: Great to have you here. To get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and tell us about what you did, you know, prior to business school and what's happening next for you.
0: Sure. So currently, I'm a second year MBA student at UNC Keenan Flagler. And I was also the president of the Business Technology Club. And other than that, I've been involved with a few other clubs during the business school as well. Now, before business school, I worked in risk consulting for a few months. I worked with a couple of startups as well. And then for the last three and a half years, I led my own business in the consumer electronics industry. After business school, I'm going to be working with Google in their hardware division in Mountain View, California.
1: Excellent. So going to Google is basically the dream job coming out of business school these days. So congratulations on that. That's fantastic.
0: Thank you so much. And you have a bit of hand in that yourself, too.
1: Oh, you did all the work. So I'm just happy to know you. (laughs) Did you come to business school with a clear idea of what you wanted to do afterwards?
0: I was actually pretty keen on exploring both the consulting industry as well as the technology industry. But I came to business school with a pretty open mind and I wanted to really attend all the company presentations and discover where my inclinations lied. And after the first couple of months itself, I discovered that technology industry was really my calling. Because there were two things that really attracted me towards the industry. Number one, the fact that you could really step over and above your roles and responsibilities to drive projects. And second, really being the work culture. So these two things really from an earlier point in my MBA career kind of led me to the technology industry.
1: Awesome. So I know in business school, really in any job search, but it seems especially in business school, we talk about networking being a huge part of the job search process. And so you had come to business school from a different country. How was your network when you got here? Did you come here with a pretty big network intact?
0: I had absolutely no network to begin with.
1: None. Okay. I remember when you and I first started talking in your first year and I think I got the impression you did feel a little bit sort of behind the eight ball because you didn't come to business school with a built-in network in this country that you could rely on for help through your job search.
0: Absolutely. And there were also another couple of factors, which was A, it felt very transactional to me when I thought about networking with someone, I always felt like, hey, it's me asking for something. How is it going to work? And B, I really did not know the concept of small talk. People think it's just international students sometimes that struggle with that, but a lot of introverts can sometimes struggle with that as well, in my experience.
1: So is the idea of networking for your job search, the way we do it here, very different from the way that you might job search if you were back in India? Completely.
0: Completely. If I was to network for a job back in India, it would have to be really straight to the point and practical. If I have to do it in the United States, it has to be really different. It has to be communicative. It I have to express my interest. I have to create an engaging conversation and I have to drive the point home a longer way. So it's definitely a much longer journey over here. But the good thing is, if you learn the process, it's easier to control the outcome.
1: What did you do here when you kind of realized you were going to have to adjust to a new way of of networking and meeting people, and how did you do that?
0: For the technology industry specifically, we didn't have a bunch of companies coming on campus, but they were companies which were off-campus. So networking was something that one really had to learn from the get-go itself. A couple of things that really were helpful in this process were number one, LinkedIn, and number two, using LinkedIn to schedule informational calls. So firstly, LinkedIn. LinkedIn itself can be a skill to learn. How do you really use that website to create contacts? How do identify the right people in the right cities with the right titles? And then creating an Excel sheet and just making sure you're following up on those connections. And then the second part is once you do know which people you want to connect with, what do you want to speak to them about? Which is where the entire concept of the informational calls comes from. So the process starts from the very first message that you send to them over LinkedIn till you're done with the call. And if there's really an ask in the process, how do you really drive it home?
1: Okay, so you were going on LinkedIn and searching, searching for people maybe who lived in the San Francisco Bay Area, who worked at big tech companies, and then when you found those people, what did you do?
0: It was really difficult in the initial days of my networking because I was still going through the learning curve. Uh, I really did not understand how I could be transactional in the call, how I could ask someone to get me a job without saying it out loud. And it really felt transactional. So I was not really into it. And anybody could tell, I'm pretty sure. Especially the whole concept of small talk. So it, it was really downhill in the beginning. Probably not the best calls, if not the worst. but. I did not really get any outcome out of these calls because I did not know what I was doing. But then after the first month or so, I formed an agenda for every call that I was having. So I would research on the companies that I was speaking with. I would research on the industries that those companies belong to. And then based on my research, I would form some questions that would really tell the person I'm speaking with that, hey, this person asking the questions already knows a bunch of stuff. You can express that through the questions that you have served. But then the entire idea of what the ask is going to be in that call still was something that I could not wrap my head around. And my communication skills were also going through a learning curve as well. A couple of months into the process, I think about 20 to 30 calls in, what I learned was that a, there are some meeting etiquettes that you have to follow, such as if you're asking a question at the 27th minute and 30 minute call, and if the call goes over, you have to make sure that the other person doesn't get delayed. They have to show up for the next meeting. You shouldn't be the reason, et cetera, et cetera. You also have to understand how your communication skills should be and how adaptive they need to be, depending on which person you're speaking with. And see, it was how to really be engaging. You have to really believe the questions that you have. You have to really believe that the person in front of you can answer those questions. You don't really want to mug up 10 articles and ask someone something that they might not have even read about themselves yet. Make them really feel important, value their advice. And once they find you credible, you would find that the ask becomes really simple. Because if you're thinking that they don't know what you're in the call for, then that's going to be a mistake. They exactly know what you're doing, but they're trying to judge, hey, is this person credible enough for me to refer them to the right team, to the right recruiter? And I think that's the point that you're trying to put across. Are you really that credible or not? Have you done your research or not? If they put you in front of someone, are you ready to represent their credibility in front of the recruiter or the necessary team not. So this is kind of a journey that I went through, but I think after the first way to 30 calls, it became much easier. And I think I did over 120 calls in my first year itself. Uh, Oh my
1: goodness. All right. We're going to, we're going to say that again, over 120 networking calls in your first year of business school alone. Yeah wow there should be a trophy
0: for i know someone who's done more
1: really wow often when we talk about job search and i encourage people to reach out and expand their network and i get this you want me to reach out to people i don't even know why would i do that what would i say why would they even talk to me but you did that over 120 times in one year alone and that is so amazing. I love that because really it works, right? And you learned along the way, which is something I really clearly heard you talk about and I think is really interesting and and helped you obviously get very good at doing these types of calls. I love the point you make about once they find you credible, then kind of the conversation really begins, right? And so how did you convince people that you were credible?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's about three factors. number One communication, N- number two, your industry and company research. And number three, it's really what ask you have. Somebody just might ask you up front, okay, how can I best help you in this situation? So I'll start from the beginning again. Number one being communications. Are you able to hold a conversation? Are you engaging? You might have all the knowledge and information in the world, but can you really belong in this in that team and hold meetings and hold conferences and really drive projects? The second would be industry and company research. A lot of people focus on having the right backgrounds for the job that you're seeking. But another way to prove your credibility, your academic or professional credibility can be also how much industry and company research you've done. If you're able to speak a little bit in the language, or at least if you're updated on what's happening in that industry or in that particular company, and more so if you can dig even deeper, what's happening in that particular part of that company, which is also possible with all the public companies these days, then you're really showing them, Hey, you're already knowledgeable about what they do. And you're also passionate about what they do. Then the third point is really the ask. I think we really sometimes shy away from telling people what it is that we're expecting. But if you really use different words, you can say the same thing in a much nicer way. So for example, A lot of students in business schools, if they're trying to seek internships and full-time offers by speaking with people in different companies, a bad way to ask that question would be, hey, do you have any internships open that I can apply for that you can refer me for? Sure, if you're having a tremendously well conversation, of course, you can ask that question too. That's okay. The way you have that conversation is, Hey, I was really interested in learning more about this particular role in your company. Is there anybody else that you would recommend I should speak with? Because these are the things that I wanted to cover. Or you can phrase it in a million different ways depending on what role, what team, what product you're seeking. And then if you're really having a call with the recruiter themselves, I think you can also change your strategy a little bit and actually after the first few questions really just have a pitch just tell them hey these are the few questions that i had and now i also want to express my interest in this particular area within the organizations and here's why i can tell you i would be a perfect professional and culture fit for it there's also no issues with really just pitching your point across to a recruiter it's really having those three things communication second your company and industry research and Third really having that ask. Because the first few calls I had, I would be good with communications and my industry and company research, but there would be no ask. So it was like there's no point for that in there's no point to that call to begin with.
1: But it kind of didn't go anywhere because you didn't you weren't prepared with the ask.
0: Initially it seemed very transactional because it seemed like I'm gonna ask someone, hey, do you have an internship? But hey, do you have a job off of me? But you can really ask that question in a million different ways, like I said. And over time, you learn. I think conducting informational calls is just like any other skill. You're poor at it when you begin. You get a little better over time. And after a while, you really become comfortable with it.
1: And after 120 calls, you become totally amazing at it. <laughs> yes. When you were researching, well, first of all, where did you go to research companies and industries? Did you have some sources that you found were really good for that kind of information?
0: Yeah. I first made a list of the companies that I was obsessed with uh, that I already knew a lot about, but then when you schedule those calls, you have to go in prepared and that's where the research begins. I think the first resource that was the most helpful was the company's 10K. That would have information on the entire company and all the different parts of a company. The second would be a seeking alpha.com. They would have a lot of news on what's been happening with that company in the recent times. And then the third would be if I know which particular team within that company I'm going to be working with, then research more about that product, the competition, what have been the updates with that part of the company and then showing a little bit prepared because if you bring in these relevant facts in your conversations, or if the person that you're speaking with is bringing them up and you can hold a conversation on these facts, then it's really useful because they can see a you've done your research and B that you're passionate about this industry, both things really contribute to your credibility a lot in the call.
1: You probably learned a lot as you talked to different people, and then probably that became part of your research, right? You would talk to somebody at Google, and you would learn a whole lot about a particular team at Google, and then maybe you talked to somebody else at the same company, and you, you know, you knew more about it because of the previous calls that you had. Did you find that you sort of built up this store of knowledge from all of the conversations that you had.
0: Yeah, I actually have a really good example of this. Before my uh, Google interviews, I did a bunch of research for about, about 10 days. And when I really showed up for my internship, it was really crazy because all the conversations that I was having with different team members, I could really connect the dots just because I had read up so much. So when they're speaking about what they do on a daily basis or the products that they're dealing with, you're able to understand what they're saying and you have some information about it. Absolutely.
1: You mentioned earlier, one of your asks was, is there somebody else you think I should talk to? Were you able to find a lot of your next connections by asking that question?
0: Yeah. In a couple of companies, I was able to connect with over 12 people just by creating a chain of people I connected with. Awesome.
1: And that's the ultimate goal, right, is to get to the point where you're applying for a role and you've already talked to the people who might be the decision makers or have some influence in that process. As they're evaluating candidates, you would have a couple of people in that process who said, hey, I spoke with Nishant. We had a great conversation. He really did his homework and was prepared. He's a great communicator. He would be a great addition to this team.
0: Absolutely. And I would also like to add another point here. I think you spoke about decision makers. In different companies, this process can work really differently. In some companies, teams might be responsible for recruiting the next employee in the team. In some companies, the recruiting could be really centralized. Everything goes through the recruiters and teams really don't have much of a say. And in some companies, both teams and recruiters might have a say. So if you can read up on how recruiting works in these companies, even just online, you'll get a good idea of what the right process to follow is, who's the right person to connect with. So that also helps streamline things a little bit. And if you really can't find any information, I really recommend connecting with both the teammates that you're trying to work with, as well as the recruiters. Okay,
1: good tip. Did you, how did you keep track of all of the connections you were making, the people you were reaching out to, any follow-up that you needed to do?
0: Initially, I started out with an Excel tracker. And in that Excel tracker, I also put the date when I last interacted with a particular person. But after a while, the list really started getting too large. So I stopped keeping track of things. And instead, I would just have the company names right in front of me and I could already see my connections in LinkedIn itself. So I did not really need to jump back on my Excel sheet. I could just see my connections within that company through LinkedIn itself. So it was much easier for me to just go back and check the chats that I had with them. Great.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that your Excel spreadsheet would quickly get unmanageable with all of the reaching out that you were doing. Because if you had 120 phone calls, you probably reached out to a lot more people than that, right? Because sometimes people just don't respond.
0: Yeah, I think for every opportunity that I was interested in, I used to send out Five LinkedIn requests out to the relevant team members and five to recruiters in that particular city. And out of probably 10, two people would connect with you. And then you try to have a conversation.
1: So that's a pretty good funnel, right? You start with 10, you narrow it down to based on who responds, and then um, you go from there. But you started with essentially 10 connections for every opportunity that you were interested
0: in is that right yeah which is which also brings me to the point of playing the numbers game because the whole thing about connecting with people through linkedin is that it's going to take a while it's going to take some effort if you expect everybody is going to respond you have the wrong expectations you know it's going to take a while you know it's going to take some effort but you have to be okay with it you have to learn how to keep investing in the process.
1: That's a really good point. Kind of keeping your expectations reasonable. Not everybody will respond. And when people don't respond, you just move on, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, if you think about it very simply, if, even if you have a bad phone call, think about it. There's probably 10,000 more people in that organization that you can speak with so really don't let a bad phone call get to you now i'm not saying ruin your phone calls definitely not but till you really become comfortable with having phone calls of course you're going to have a few phone calls to begin with but that's really necessary because otherwise you're never going to begin yeah that's
1: how you get better at this
0: right
1: yeah. so yeah there's no way you could have 120 phone calls and they're all amazing we have talked a lot on this podcast about adjusting job search techniques in the age of quarantine and coronavirus and everything that you did here, Nishant, that you have talked about was really over LinkedIn and over the phone and thus is a process that would work very well for our current situation.
0: Yeah, I think just one out of those 120 chats was in person. I think the rest were over a phone call.
1: That's really good to know because it works, right? So tell us, what what would a LinkedIn message look like that you might be sending to somebody for the very, someone you're connecting with for the first time?
0: I think that's a good question. I, I went through a bunch of templates to really come to the one that I have been using for the last few months. And what I discovered was that If you are really keeping your message superficial, the chances of that working out are really less. I think it's good to be upfront and direct, but just dress it up a little bit better. You can have different conversations, but I I say definitely put the ask in the message itself. Do, Do not be superficial in that message because once people know why you're connecting with them, it is much easier and you would be amazed to see how much people really want to help each other on LinkedIn as well.
1: Yeah, that's good. I, I believe that too. If somebody reaches out with an ask and the person receiving that has the time that they will more often than not want to be helpful and will respond positively.
0: Yeah. I, I would also like to elaborate on that a little bit. I think if I'm connecting with an MBA, they've already done this and they know exactly what I'm doing. So it's much nicer if I really put the ask first, but I have to be professional about it. That's it. If I'm connecting with another UNC alum, it could be anywhere from UNC. The person could be anywhere from UNC. That's okay as well because we would discover the network from UNC is going to be really strong. But surprisingly, if you try connecting with even people from other universities or other backgrounds, that works out well as well too, in my experience. I think across the board people have been really helpful.
1: Good. And finding that thing you have in common with them, like we went to the same school or we have the same degree, you found that to be really helpful and probably increases your response rate when you connect with somebody like that.
0: Definitely. If you can find some commonalities, that's Super helpful, always.
1: Did you tend to follow up with people after a call?
0: Yeah, I would think about my calls and and, and categorize them in three different uh, titles. Uh, there would be the calls where I was able to establish credibility from the get-go, the calls where I would probably need another opportunity to establish that credibility, and the calls that were really just, well, didn't work out, basically. So if you have already established credibility with someone, I think the next time you're speaking with them and they really agree to have that call with you, they're excited to have that call with you. So you better have that, that ask and be a little more upfront about it this time around. Tell them, Hey, I've spoken with multiple people in your organization. I've been reading up on your company and this particular product for the last few weeks. And I'm really, really, really interested in working in this particular internship, in this particular position. What would you recommend that I should do over and above A, B, C, D, E that I've already done to really increase my chances of getting a shot at an interview? Because I know once I get an interview, I can really prove my worth. So it's about driving the point across, but you tell them all the different avenues that you've already covered, leaving them with probably just thought or two in in their head. One of them being, hey, can I refer this person in? Hey, can I connect them with the recruiter? So if you've covered all bases, and if that's the only thing left for a person to do to get a dream job or something, they're really going to help you. And you have to remember, this is a person that already enjoys having a conversation with you. That's why they're having a second conversation with you. Now, if you are get to establish that credibility and you've learned from the first call a little bit, then this is the time to probably establish credibility now. And a good way of doing that is a definitely learning from the first call, but b also learning what you did well, doing it right and letting them know because you want to tell them, Hey, I'm a good listener. And so, Anybody would really appreciate it if they've taken time out of their schedules to guide you in the right direction. And if you have benefited from that, and if they've had a contribution, they're really going to like that. So driving that point across becomes really important. So yeah, I mean, but once you have that credibility, do not shy away from driving the point across because what's the point of connecting if you can't really have that aspect?
1: Good point. And then when you... Finally, landed your job. Did you go back to folks that you had talked to earlier and let them know how you were doing and that you got the offer?
0: Absolutely. The moment I got my internship, I think within the next two days, I sent out about 50 emails letting everyone know how I was progressing. And I connected back with each and every one of them in the summer as well after my internship once after I landed a full-time offer as well. There's two ways to think about it. Number one, you want to keep that network active. But number two is what I'm more interested in, what I really believe in, which is really just thanking them for their contribution in your life. Because even if things do seem transactional, do remember somebody went out of the way to help you out. And... If they're really interested in your progress, and if you tell them that you have progress, they're really gonna be happy for you. So keeping them updated is really, I I think they deserve to know.
1: I love that. I, I think that's part of what makes this more than just a story about somebody asking for something. It's the going back and the following up and saying, thank you, here's what I'm doing now. And I appreciate what you did to help me get here. So I think that's really wonderful. And I'm sure that in a year's time, or probably a whole lot sooner, you're going to be the person who is sitting at your desk at Google, getting all kinds of requests from people saying, hey, I'm really interested in what you're doing. Can we hop on the phone for a few minutes? I would love to talk to you about it. So the the tables are turning, right? You're going to be the guy who's giving your time to be talking to people who are in the shoes that you are in. And, you know, maybe a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's really weird thinking about it. But I think that should be an easy call, though. I'm easy.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Well, and you did such a fantastic job because we, you know, everybody kind of knows in job search, this is what you should be doing. But so few people do it at all and do it well and really sort of study the process and become Really good at it the way that you did, and then go the extra mile and do so much of it. But I love that you started all of this from a place of not knowing anybody, and you really hustled to figure out who were the people that you wanted to talk to. How were you going to go about it? What was the ask going to be? How did you communicate that correctly? And especially given the fact that a lot of this is sort of counter to the cultural norms that you grew up with.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. (laughs) I I think if if there's a couple of points that I would really like to put across, I think you have to really get over the initial discomfort. And you have to accept that it's going to take a while and know that you only lose if you stop in this game. It's not exactly always about where you end up but it's about if you could end up in the top five places that you wanted to end up in, that's not bad either. So it's really about just keep on going, I would say. Because the moment you start thinking about, hey, this call didn't went well, this internship opportunity didn't convert, then you're going down the wrong path. You have to understand that things take time. Things take a lot of time and effort and investment, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. It's just about the amount of effort that you can put in.
1: That's great. That's a really encouraging message, but also underscores the fact that this is hard work and it takes a lot of time. And clearly you invested that time and learned how to do this really well. And it worked out really well for you. So that's terrific. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all of this is when you think about your experience of doing all of these calls, is there one maybe mistake that you made that you learned from that other people can learn from your experience?
0: I used to prepare some questions that I thought would be smart questions. I would get a response, but I wouldn't understand the responses myself because I might be a little less prepared or I might try to come across as really smart through those questions. But the idea then becomes, I think, how can you be a little more genuine about those questions and the conversations, which is something a lot of people struggle with because this whole idea of the call being transactional to begin with is really hard. So really be genuine in your approach, really ask the right questions. And make sure you're asking the right questions from the right person, because the last thing you want to do is ask somebody a question that they're not going to know the answer to. And then you're putting them in a really awkward position and you're making them feel uncomfortable because probably you haven't researched that well. And that's okay. Initially, you're going to probably have a couple of these calls and that's okay, but that's how you learn. Because once you know how to ask the right questions, and once the other person really feels passionate about answering those, you would discover that's where things start becoming engaging from their end as well. That's where your research really shows off as well. And that really cuts through the entire thought of the call being transactional.
1: I imagine that you're saying if you match up the right questions to the person, and you've done your research, then it's not just a conversation where someone asks a question and someone answers it and someone asks a question and someone answers it. But you ask a question, you get some information and you know enough to respond. Like you have a real great back and forth and you can go a little deeper because you both have some foundation of knowledge in the area and you're talking to the right person with the right question. And so you can have a good conversation about it as opposed to just a Q&A back and forth. And then you hang up the phone. Exactly. Awesome. All right. So I learned a ton today. This is fantastic. And I love hearing from an expert because clearly you have done this so, so well. And it worked out really well for you. So thank you so much, Nishant, for sharing all of your information today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Yeah, I want to sum up a few of the things that I heard today that I think were particularly useful for people who are trying to build a network from scratch. And a couple of those things were first kind of managing your expectations, right? You did 10 outreaches for every opportunity that you were interested in, but you didn't expect a response from all 10 of those people. So I thought that was a really good point because you are setting yourself up for disappointment. If you're going to sit around and wonder why everybody is not responding to your messages and that's just not productive. So I thought that was a great point. Also, that you had an agenda for every call. You researched for every call. And that's really important, that preparation. And then your keys were the communication skills, understanding how to really be engaging, making people feel important on the call and convincing them that you are credible. Clearly, you did that really well. So making the ask and figuring out exactly how to communicate your ask was something that you talked about that you learned and got better at as you went through this process. And then finally, you did a lot of great follow-up and you thanked people and you appreciated what they did for you. And I think that's really key also because you do hope that these Calls are not just a one and done thing, but that it's the start of a relationship. And throughout your career, now you will have people that you can go back to and call on, and they will be calling on you as well. That's a great example of just give and take and how this works at its best when somebody does this really well. Tons of great stuff there. Hope everybody took notes and learned from Nishant and all the great experience that he had. So now that you know how to go out and build your network, go do it. I believe in you.
0: Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Get a Job, Here's How podcast. You can find all the information from this episode in our show notes at www.backtobusinessconference.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please write a review so that we can reach more people. Now that you know how, go do it.